All right, welcome back to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And today we have a very special guest joining us. We have Hunter's younger brother, Brandon, coming onto the pod. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm here providing my main knowledge. I just hope uh, I give some good takes on here. Uh, we'll see yeah, about that. We will see. You'll, you'll see genetically you're unlikely to produce valid takes. <laughs> no, no. Just throwing a little shade at myself there. But uh, I think we should just hop right into it. Um, and let's talk about an interesting topic. There was some monster performance this week, this, this week around the NBA. Um, you had Embiid scoring 50 points in 27 minutes, tying his career high against the Orlando Magic. Jokic in the same night had a 49-point triple-double. Uh, you had Luka also had 41 points, 14 rebounds, and 17 assists. And then Trey had 37 points and 14 assists. This, that was all in the same night. So, actually, this is a question for both of you. Who do you think had the most impressive per- performance? I would say, um, I'd say Jokic, because you know he just looked absolutely dominant the whole game, and he delivered the the game winning pass to Aaron Gordon, who hit that clutch three game winner. Um, and yeah, a triple double. He he did everything on the court. Played some good defense too. So I would have to say Jokic. I'm actually going to have to go with um, Embiid on this one. I mean, just based on not even just that single performance, but just as of recent, he's just been going off. I mean, for the past, I think, what, like a couple weeks, he's been averaging over 30, um, probably nearly 10 rebounds. Uh, He's just been providing everything for this 76ers team. Um, I don't know how long it'll last, but, I mean, he's got them up at the sixth seed right now. And – they could probably possibly make some trades at the deadline and uh, see how that works out for them and Simmons and that whole situation. Yeah. I'm actually going to have to agree with Brandon on this one based on this performance. Um, I, and I just think it's because the efficiency in which Embiid scored the basketball, obviously it's playing the Orlando magic. So there's not much like to be impressed by there, but if we're talking about raw scoring efficiency, I mean, he's literally on pace to score a hundred points in this game. It's kind of like crazy. So obviously it's not like about that, like, but like Jokic played almost the entire game. I think he played so, somewhere on the run in the ballpark of 40 minutes, maybe even a little more than that. Well, Embiid only played 27. Uh, so I'm going to have to give the upper hand to Embiid. The thing though, I want to say is like, you know, that what the game between the Clippers and the Nuggets was, was really close the whole game. Cause then the, the Clippers are actually playing pretty damn well, you know, Zubats, he had 32 and 10. I mean, who could have expected that from Avita Zubats? And Reggie Jackson had a good game too. And uh, a solid game from like Brandon Boston off the bench. Wait, I, I just want to pause for a second. Wait, I didn't actually check the box score on this one. Are you telling me Avita Zubats had 42 points in the game? Yeah, 40, no, 32, 32. Okay, I thought you said 42. I just wanted to make sure that we were getting that wrong. But even still, 32 30, points. 32 point double double for my man. Avita Zubats. And so every point, every rebound, and every assist that Jokic got was absolutely critical to winning the game. But then, you know, you look at the Sixers versus the Magic. I mean, we know what type of a team the Magic are. Um, like, they they were winning pretty comfortably the whole game because they were just so outclassed um, by the Sixers as a, as a team, you know? Yeah, I'll give that – I'll 100% give that to you. And I think I, it's a toss-up even. Because, I mean, when you look at the importance of the games and the roles each of them played, if you take and be that game, they, they're probably likely to still win that game. 
Whereas if you take Jokic out of that game, they're going to get blown up. Yeah, and so that's what yeah. I would say. And also, I could understand that. Like, it is funny how in the Nuggets game, you know, you had Zubats going off for 32. And then in the, the, the Sixers Magic game, you had Mo Bamba, who had a career-high 32 points in that game in 30 minutes. So he was playing really well. I don't know what it was. I guess both of them saw their opposing center going off and they're like, all right, I got to show out too. But Yeah, I think everyone kind of just showed out on that day. For some reason, everybody in the NBA decided to go off at the same time. And speaking in terms of these like kind of, I don't want to say nobody players, but like kind of these players who were under the radar more so, just kind of going off. I know you guys touched on this a little bit in the last podcast, but I just want to point out um, on the Blazers, uh, young star in, uh, I'm sorry. Anthony Simons? Anthony Simons, that's his name. Yeah. He's been like going crazy lately. I think he's been, I mean, obviously he's up minutes due to, you know, Damian Lillard being out. I just had to give him a shout out in that, in that perspective. And he's kind of been carrying the load for that team. Yeah, he's been playing super impressive. It is crazy, though, because he has just been getting the ultimate green light because Dame is out. Um, so he's just been, get, been being able to take basically all the shots he wants. Uh, I think in a game against the Heat, he shot like 14 threes. So how many like non-star players, you know, are shooting that many? Uh, but it's good to see because I think Anthony Simons is really a guy that if the Blazers decide to get rid of Dame and move in a different direction, he really is a guy they could like rebuild the team around. So yeah. For sure. And it's also kind of funny because the Blazers have actually been doing better as a team as of recent. They're now within the playing tournament. They're at the 10th seed right now. And they're actually uh, a, a pretty comfortable three games ahead of the 11th seed. So they went from being completely not even in contention for the play-in to now at a solid chance at being in the play. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I don't want to say the Blazers are, you know, worse without Damian Lillard because that would just be like – a completely awful take but it's been interesting to see them winning more games without him so yeah and i mean there. i get i don't know really what it is maybe it's like the fact that when you're playing with nothing to lose like you can just sort of go all out you know anthony simons can shoot 14 threes in a game and if he's hot that's really going to help your scoring output um but also dane like when he was playing this year he really wasn't the dame we knew him to be he started off ice cold and only gradually started to get back in the form. And I think that's because, yes, he was injured, but also he was just going through a big slump. So I think health is a big reason. Just getting a bunch of healthy guys in the court definitely yeah. helped. In that I think the mentality is also a little different, being Damien Lillard as a multiple-time all-star, somebody who's been on this team, a veteran presence, and going to the kind of like the grind, as you could say, year in and year out, and having no results and being a young player like Anthony Simons and getting your chance, you're going to have two completely different like types of energy coming into a game. Definitely. And um, so I just want to move on quick to talk about Luca and Trey, who you mentioned. Luca, 41 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and Trey Young, 37 and 14. I have an interesting question. Who do you think has been playing better this year, uh, Luca or Trey Young? Because we know how there is a history between the two players. Oof. I'm getting actually let's ask Brandon first. Brandon, what do you see your take on this? Um, honestly, I'm gonna say um in terms of record wise, which which teams uh the Mavs are doing a, a whole lot better than the Hawks. Yeah. Doing a lot better as a team. The okay. Mavs, I believe, are the five seed. I think individual performance wise, I think I've been seeing a lot of bigger nights from Trey Young. 
um, in terms of his scoring output, assist numbers, all that sort of stuff. Um, Luke has been doing his usual thing, you know, putting up his triple doubles or close to triple double numbers. Um, I'm just going to have to say specifically from an individual player standpoint, um, I'm going to have to go with Trey Young. I just, you know, you'll go on and you'll see, see the news. You'll see um, Trey Young putting up these big numbers and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to take it the other way and go with Luca because you look at their actual statistics on the year and Luca's averaging 25, 9, and 9. That's really incredible. And he's not a stat patter. I mean, you know, he's a guy who really plays the game the right way. And you look at Trey Young's stats, and he's averaging 28, 4, and 9, which isn't that much more efficient. Or he's not even shooting more efficiently. They have about the same efficiency, and Trey Young has a few more points. I'm going to have to say, in terms of efficiency, Luca's actually been struggling heavily from three. I'm looking at it right now. He's been shooting 29% from that perspective. So it's, it's not the best number there. Yeah, I'm still I'm still going to give it to Luca. I mean, even individual or a team, I think he's been putting up very well-rounded performances on a, I wouldn't say lackluster roster, but a, a roster that doesn't amount to a five seed is being dragged by Luca, as opposed to a team that we know to have the talent to make a deep playoff run in the Hawks, being in a really, again, lackluster position in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I mean when you have to when you're judging something like this, I think you do have to just look purely based on um on individual performance. Because if you're judging by team performance, like last year, we could have made the argument that Trey Young was a better player than Luca when I don't think that was even remotely close because Trey Young got his team to the conference finals, whereas Luca lost in the first round. And it's not even remotely comparable because you know, like that Clippers team with Kawhi like could have gone to the finals if they were healthy. Um, so I think if if I were to say, I would probably say Trey Young has played better this year so far. I think Luka Doncic is the better player, but he did start the year off pretty damn cold and wasn't the Luka we know him to be. And just the assist numbers you see Trey Young putting up night after night, like this guy for a long time was leading the league in assists. And I'm pretty sure he leads the league in like total assists, not assists per game, but um, – He's definitely yeah, I think I it's is it Chris Paul or is it James Harden? Uh, it's Chris Paul then James Harden, but they're, yeah, okay. they're real close. Um, so yeah, I just would say like Trey Young has really been doing it all. Um, and I would say he's played better as of right now. Yeah, I have to say though that 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 Luca number really jumps out to me. That three point percentage, it's it's not it's not even just him. Like around the league, there's been a lot of I'd say like shooting struggles going on there. Yeah, we talked about a little bit that on the pod, whether that's like a new NBA rules on like defense or whether it's the new ball. There's a, a few things that could be factors there. But I think slowly the league has been adjusting. Yeah. And uh, I just want to like the issue of correction. Actually, Trey Young does not lead the league. It's actually the same. It's like uh, Trey Young or Chris Paul, James Harden, then Trey Young. But I'm still going to re- stick with my original position that. Is Sorry, is uh is Draymond up there as well or? No, he's averaging seven point four assists per game, so it wouldn't be close because for... the, all, all the top guys are averaging like nine. Yeah, actually, you know who is top five though? It's a uh, it's a guy we really like on this podcast, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's right at number four. 
Um, interesting name that's up there. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is number eight, which is pretty interesting. And uh, DeJounte Murray is number five. So do you want to talk uh, – just this kind of a side topic, but do you want to talk about the season uh, – What's it called? The season that DeJounte Murray is having for the Spurs? It's really great. He's been a breakout star for this team. I mean, he, on the same night that all these monster performances we're talking about, he had a, a triple-double as well. So he, he he's putting up great numbers. I mean, he really has been breaking down defenses and showing how much of a threat he is on offense. Um, and if he can develop his defensive game, he's going to be a perennial all-star in this league. And, I mean, you're talking about his offensive game like he – like he's a, a bum on that end. I, would, I mean, obviously not to that extent, but like he's averaging almost 20 points a game this season. No, so, I, no, I'm, I'm giving him very a ton of credit on the offense. He's breaking down offenses or defenses is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I just like talk about like a two-way star. This guy could be like a Kawhi Leonard at his peak, um, uh, that type of player on both ends of the floor. He's averaging like two steals a game. It's a guy who's six four with a six ten wingspan. Like he has all the intangibles to just be a great player. And I wouldn't be mad if he was a an all star reserve uh, this year. Actually, this this is like a type Kawhi Leonard build, along with the fact that he's you mentioned earlier. He's averaging nearly nine assists per game, which is something that Kawhi himself he he didn't, he didn't provide that even much. I know he probably around five assists, but that's that's something that really jumps out to me as well as the fact that he's averaging eight and a half rebounds. So, so nearly a, a triple-double. Yeah, he's a, a triple-double threat every night, basically. Um, I th- It's looking a lot more common around the league for players to be getting triple-doubles, but I also think that's part of the pace of the game now, being such a fast game, that there's more shots being taken, more rebounds being grabbed, and then also, obviously, more passes being dished out. Right. And um, I, I actually would agree with you, Hunter. I do think the one area in this game where he is lacking is, is just perimeter shooting. Like he's always been sort of subpar. I think this year he's shooting like something like 32% or something like that. Um, so if he develops that area, which he definitely can do, like you look at his jump shot and it just, uh, it passes the eye test. It just, you know, he got, he's got to work on the small things. So I'm excited to see how he continues to progress in this league. Yeah. Moving on. I think we have a fun little uh, activity NBA Wall Street. Now we're going to talk about buying or selling some NBA teams and players. Um, telling me if you would buy into them or sell their stock um, moving forward for the rest of the NBA season. Uh, this will be for both of you, but let's start with Brandon on the each of these, and then I'll get your take, Rafa. Uh, so let's start with the Brooklyn Nets. Are you buying or selling on this team? Selling. Right now they're the one seed. Um, so you're selling. You're selling on them. 100% selling with this team. Um, Kevin Durant, you know, going out with that uh, injury in the, the MCL. He's out for, I think, uh, a couple weeks maybe. Uh, it's, it was four to six weeks. Okay, four to six weeks. Uh, Durant's out. Uh, Harden's left to carry this team as of right now. Um, just a question, though. Are we talking, like, long-term throughout the season, heading into the playoffs and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'd, I'd still say I'm probably selling with this team, um, the whole Kyrie situation and how you know they got to pay that fine if they want to play at home. Um, honestly, I think there's a lot of different threats going on in the East, and I don't know that uh, the Nets will be able to kind of handle all the pressure of those teams. Like, uh, let's say maybe uh, just like uh, a team like. 
uh, the Heat or the uh, Bulls, those types of teams. I just think. You <laughs> did you forget every team in the NBA? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I know. We've all been there. You know, you like you think you know, and then just like it just for you forget every NBA team that's ever existed. But, I was pulling up the standings right now. I was just trying to. <laughs> yeah. kind of what yeah, are teams? What are teams? <laughs> the Bucks. Well, the, yeah. the Bulls. I think. Yeah, I was. I would have said the Bucks. Yeah. Continuing though, Rafa, are, would you, are you in agreement with Brandon? I would agree with that. I think that there's a lot of a lot of issues with the Nets that goes beyond just like Kevin Durant staying healthy. I mean, just this week we saw them release Paul Millsap, and he was really just a failed pickup. He did nothing for them, and I think it's going to be hard for them to sort of find that chemistry and find that winning formula this late in the season, especially when they can't seem to get their big three on the floor together. Um, I do think one thing that's going to help is Joe Harris will be coming back soon from injury. So he's going to space out the floor and he's going to be a nice little scoring threat on uh, the offensive side of the ball. So overall, though, I, I do I would place like the Bucks, um, the Bulls when they're healthy, um, maybe even the Sixers in a matchup over them. And so for the long term, I would say that I, I would sell on the, on the Nets. Yeah. Moving on, the Toronto Raptors. Are you buying or selling on this team? Currently, I believe they sit at the 10 seed. No, they're at the 9 seed in the East. They're at 500 right now, 22 and 22. Um, and they're only like two games out from the 8 seed. Um, yeah, you so, want to go ahead? Uh, sure. All right. So I had to say with this team, I'm also going to have to sell. Um, I'm seeing, looking at the roster right now, just a lot of young guys. I mean, you got Ben Vliet, uh, Trent Jr., Boucher. You know, a lot of their, you know, stars more so are just on the younger side. And I think heading into uh, playoffs late season, you're going to have to need more of a veteran heavy team to make an impact. So I think, you know, they could make a push for that little playing spot, um, considering the rest of the East is uh, seems to be struggling a little bit. So that's where I am with that. Um, I would say I would actually buy on this team. I think that they have a pretty good shot of making the playoffs. As it stands right now, I would take them in a game over the Celtics in the plane. Um, and I think that I, I really trust Nick Nurse's system. I think that he knows how to get a lot out of players that, you know, you otherwise might not. And also just developing players. I think we've seen Gary Trent Jr. have a great season. Chris Boucher continue to play very well. Fred Van Vliet should be an all-star this season. And don't forget Pascal Siakam still in this team. And if the if they want, they could part ways with Siakam and you know get the spin cycle, the washing yeah, they machine. <laughs> they they could do that. You know <laughs> they could get rid of the washing machine. Um, and I'm pretty sure is Dragic is still in this team, right? Correct. Yeah, so they they're definitely gonna flip him. And also um, OG Ananobi, he's been having a really underrated season this year. He's averaging something like um, 19 points a game like uh, five rebounds to assist, but, you know, he's taken a real big, big step up uh, offensively. So I, well, I don't think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs. I think they're, I, I would take them as a pretty good lock to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I would also buy on this team simply as a team to stay where they are or move up, but I don't think they're moving down. I just want to say in terms of uh, when it comes to late game situations, um, it seems like, you know, their star Pascal Siakam, he's not really able to perform at those times. So I think well, that's why you have Fred on the team. That's a good point. 
Yeah. Not only do you have Fred, but you have Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes has been great. He actually has career high in points. He had 27 points the other night. So he is looking like an incredible pick. Um, I mean, people were confused when he was picked up for Jalen Suggs, but I mean, this is obviously really panning out for them. And what I just want to say, because you brought up Scotty Barnes, what a top three for this draft is going to look like, or even top four, um, because you have at one Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, then um, what is it called? Evan Mobley, and then Scotty Barnes. Like these guys are all looking like future stars. So this could be one of those drafts that we look back on and just be like, damn, this was loaded with talent. Yeah. As of right now, it looks like Evan Mobley and, uh, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the name? Yeah, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Why? How did I forget Scotty Barnes? We're literally just talking about a little bit of that going. (laughs) Yeah, but those two, I think, are going to have the most immediate impact. And as time progresses, I think all four of them are going to be incredible. For sure. Moving Um, on. Let's move on to the player. I'll take over for a couple. Okay. You can answer um, in depth. So let's talk about a guy who, as we mentioned early on the podcast. Is, is just a terrific player, you know, all-NBA type talent. Russell Westbrook, let's talk about him. Are you buying or are you selling? Let's hear it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, let's, go ahead? Yeah, let's hear Yes, from you. sir. All right, well, this is going to be a little bit of a controversial take, knowing you guys are Laker fans and uh, you love – I just have, I have to start off with this. Laker fans – love to overreact to underperforming players and overperforming players. I just have to say from what I've seen in terms of just people that I know, like surrounding me and um, you know, there's been a lot of hate on him, you know, throughout the season, deservedly. So, Um, you know, his high turnover rates and he just, you know, can't perform late game situations. We even saw um, Vogel made the decision to sit him at the end of the game. Um, which uh, also stirred up a little bit of controversy. But I'm going to have to buy on Russell Westbrook because um, I've seen – we've seen this in the past with, you know, the Wizards when he was over there. And, you know, he started off really awful to start off uh, with them. And, you know, throughout the season, he was able to adjust to make the necessary adjustments and uh, sort of, you know, actually end up helping out the Wizards and – their situation on with that Bradley Beal and Westbrook system. And um, I honestly think that, you know, the blame goes a lot to him when it comes to losing these games, but I also feel like, you know, this is supposed to be a coaching situation. I honestly think that um, you could look more in the direction of Vogel who, who um, needs to make better decisions for this Laker team. You know, I'm going to also have to buy on this, but not for the same reason as you. I'm only buying because I don't think it can possibly get worse than it already is. I really don't think this Lakers season could go worse aside from injury, knock on wood. Um, I really think that coaching isn't the issue. Roth and I have discussed this on the pod many times. I do think this is a personnel issue. I do think it starts with Russell Westbrook. I think it starts with the spacing on the floor, guys making shots, actually playing defense. I think the biggest struggle for this team is the actual defense the defensive scheming they're not playing defense so you got to get offensive minded guys to play defense and that includes russell westbrook as a guy who really doesn't play defense so lags off of perimeter shooters allows them to get threes allows open passing lanes um so i think what we need to see out of russell westbrook is just more intensity on the defensive end and as a leader that will translate to all the other guys um i just don't think it could get worse so i'm by 
Actually, it's crazy. We're all buying, but for three separate reasons. I'm buying because I don't think he's going to be on the Lakers till the end of the year. So I think he's really going to thrive in his new team, you know? I think that he'll really play well in, like, Detroit or wherever he's going to go. But I think that a change of pace is going to do wonders for Russell Westbrook, especially when he doesn't have to play with such a ball-dominant player like LeBron um, and Anthony Davis. So that's why I would buy. And I also kind of agree with Hunter, like, I don't think it could get much worse than this. Yeah, moving on, uh, I think a good player to talk about is John Morant. Are you buying on the incredible season that John Morant is having? MVP-type season. Grizzlies are up to the three seed now. Only a game behind – or no, well, it's like two and a half games behind the Warriors for the second seed. But that's still crazy. Are you buying into this team? Into John Morant. Sorry, into John Morant. My apologies. Brandon, you go first. All right. I just have to say, uh, as a Warriors fan, it pains me to kind of uh, <laughs> praise this guy, but I think credit where credit is due in his in his play as of recent and throughout the entire season, really. Um, he's He's been that, you know, super consistent star. Um, I, I don't know how young he is. He's, like, probably around, what, 25 years old? Way younger than that. He's 22. 22. Wow. Okay. So there's this so much upside in his game. And obviously, you know, there's, there's a few holes in terms of um, his three point shooting. And I even, I, I think that's even been up as of recent. Um, so, I mean, there's just, you know, a couple holes in his game that, you know, in terms of his shooting, but you know, his finishing ability and on defense, you know, that could use some improvement, but I mean, with this uh, like, super athletic ability this guy has just has so much room for improvement and you know in terms of this season um i think the entire you know grizzlies team is uh really well put together um and he he's able to make those guys around him uh really flourish on the floor as he drives in you know that kick out you got those shooters on the floor with him and and i think honestly this season can go really well for the grizzlies I just really want to comment real quick. This feels like a 2009-2010 Derrick Rose, like Chicago Bulls type team to me. But go ahead, Rafa, and comment. I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. I'm going to buy with John Moran. I think that he's really elevated his game in every aspect, and I don't see why that's not going to continue. He's been just scoring from every possible uh, direction around the rim. And talk about a shooting, which has always been a sort of weakest spot. He's brought up his three-point percentage to a respectable 35.7, which isn't too bad, Uh, which means that, you know, opponents, they have to start respecting him when he steps back behind the line. And he's just done a great job of just improving in every regard, as I said. And I think uh, this Grizzlies team is is built perfectly for him. You know, there's just the right amount of shooting, right amount of defensive assets, and Coach Taylor Jenkins just knows how to utilize him. So I don't see any reason why I wouldn't buy yeah, totally, 100%. Uh, moving on, let's talk I'll, about the mic. Oh, okay, I'll let you take over. We could just alternate, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, Miami Heat, who played tonight, they beat the Lakers, um, and they've been looking really hot. But do you expect this to continue um, and buy, or are you going to sell and you think they're going to fall off a little bit? How do you want to nope. go first? Okay, sure. Yeah, I can totally go first. I'm going to buy into this team. Uh, I mean, they've had a lot of injury issues throughout the season. Tonight, they had no uh, no Tyler Hero, who's a 20-point-per-game scorer off the bench, six-man-of-the-year candidate, no Kyle Lowry. And yet, 
they still beat the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers aren't like looking like a great team in the NBA right now, but they still won and they were pretty comfortably winning throughout most of this game. Um, and what does that tell me? This heat culture is a very real thing. The, the, it's very easy to insert guys in, especially the type of players they brought into this team. Kyle Lowry is a such a smart, tough, um, and go-getter type player. So you can really easily insert him into the lineup. Ty- Tyler Hero is very obviously found his stride this year. Um, and Bam is back in the lineup. Jimmy Butler is playing great. He just had a triple-double tonight. So I think this squad is – I'm totally buying on them. I think this is a championship-caliber team. We'll see how far they make it in the playoffs, but I do think they have those aspirations, and I think they can make that come true. Um, I'm going to have to disagree in terms of uh, the comment about them being a championship-caliber team. Like, I, I stand true to this. I seriously believe uh, to win a championship, you need that, that complete star player. And, you know, obviously they have Jimmy Butler – and, you know, Kyle Lowry, but I, I, I seriously believe you need that one superstar talent. And I, I remember we saw in the bubble, Jimmy Butler elevate his game to something we've never seen from him before uh, against the Lakers uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't know that he'll be able to kind of re- repeat that performance come playoff time. Um, I know this is a super gritty team. So I, when it comes playoff time, they can, they can really give a lot of teams a run for the money, such as, you know, the Nets, who are probably going to struggle for a little bit, uh, trying to figure out the whole Kyrie situation. But I believe they can go far. I just don't know uh, as far as to say a championship uh, type team. I have to disagree. I think this is a team built to win a championship. I think they have all the right pieces. I think we've seen what Jimmy Butler can do, and I don't, I don't see why he can't do it again, especially because he has more talent on the squad now. Obviously <laughs> – you know, you got Kyle Lowry, great addition, fit right into the defensive culture in Miami. Tyler Heroes elevated his game. I expect Duncan Robinson to get out of a shooting slump. And then you have all the new additions. Um, I guess not really new, but people who have found their way to be consistent pieces in the rotation, like Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, these types of players, you know, who are just like an addition. Kyle guy. Like just I, guys I, who you wouldn't expect. We talked about this in the last pod. The Heat find make find a way to really push their culture on the uh, the talent they find these undrafted players, and they mold them into players that are going to fit perfectly to what they need, and then they, and then they like flip these guys for even more assets. And I think a great example of this is Precious Achua, was so great on the Heat, and they were able to flip him for some great assets. Yet he hasn't looked the same since, and I really think that's because of the system that they have in place with Eric Spolstra. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm also just seeing this. I completely forgot that they had Victor Oladipo. Yeah, um, he just hasn't played yet. He's still nursing that, I believe, right foot injury. Yeah, so well, I he knew was back. That's another weapon, you know. This is a this is a super deep team, actually. Exactly. Um, one one comment I have about Miami, which I've always sort of wondered about, and I'm curious your guys' thoughts. Why has Jimmy Butler, like, really fallen off a cliff in terms of three-point shooting? Because I remember when he was in Philadelphia, when he was in Minnesota, um, even going back to his Chicago days, he wasn't a bad three-point shooter. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was shooting around the, like, 35 36% mark. And now his shooting has just fallen off a cliff, and he doesn't take threes, like, ever, you know? He's takes, he takes, like, 0.4 a game or something like that. Um 
or he makes 0.4 a game. And he's shooting the ball from the three-point line at like 24%. And the thing is, is like he's such a great mid-range shooter, so I don't understand what happened to his three-point shot. Um, I honestly believe that it could be just something mental in terms of we saw uh, something really similar in Ben Simmons because we all know that story. He was an inc- not incredible, obviously, but he was able to shoot the ball mid-range, even even three-pointers back in, in, in high school, college. Um, I think it could be a little mental situation there. And, you know, he has a bunch of shooters on this team, like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. I don't know that, you know, his attempts are going to be down. He, I don't know that he really has the need to, to shoot the ball that much from out there. Yeah, I, I would like to comment something a little different. I don't think it's a mental thing. I think it's a thing where the Heat have so many great shooters that teams really have to focus on guarding the perimeter against them so that he's just not getting as many open looks from the three-point line because he's the one facilitating the ball more so now. If you look back to his Minnesota days or his Chicago days, he was getting pretty open shots from the three-point line because teams didn't really need to guard him or the teams that he was playing on weren't really three-point emphasis. This is a very much a modern NBA team that focuses on layups and the three-pointer. So teams are playing and preparing for that. Mm. That's fair. Those are all fair points. Um, so I guess we can move on. Uh, no one else. No one has anything else to add for Miami. And let's talk about another Eastern Conference team who has found success in the past, and that's the Atlanta Hawks, who aren't doing too hot right now. I think they are the 11th seed right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 12. 12th. 12th. Oh, goodness. So and. What are we not only about? are they the 12 seed, they, they're uh, like f- four games out from the 10 seed right now. So they're, or, yeah, or three games out. They're not looking too hot right now. They are on a four-game win streak. Um, but, Brandon, I'll let you take this one. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and buy with this one uh, just simply because of the fact that I know John Collins was out for a good amount of the season. Um, you know, he hasn't really been there for them. And, uh, you know, obviously he, he has a huge impact on that whole system. You know, they throw a lot of lobs to him and he, he takes a lot of pressure off of Trey Young. Um, and as you guys were talking about, you know, Westbrook earlier, I don't know that they can get much worse because, I mean, they have a guy like Trey Young and they have a couple other assets like John Collins and, you know, uh, Herder. And I, I, I don't see – I honestly didn't even know there was a seed. I'm not sure how they how they even got that low. So I'm going to have to go ahead and buy. You know what? I'm not actually buying. I'm not even selling. I think they're going to stay where, right where they are. I wouldn't touch this team. And I'll put it for this reason. You look at the standings and you look at the teams ahead of them. Like, let's literally just go down the list. Brooklyn, Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly, Charlotte, Boston, Toronto, Washington, New York. If I could name all of those teams, I think have a legitimate case to be better than the Hawks come during this regular season. I think the only teams you can make an argument for really are the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Knicks because the Knicks haven't been doing too well. But I think the Wizards definitely should be up there. Um, so I really don't see much wiggle room for them. Maybe the 10, the 10 seed, but they really got off on the wrong foot this year. And People might call me crazy, but I really think they're missing out on Lou Williams, just a scoring punch off the bench. And I think they really made a, a massive mistake in getting rid of Cam Reddish for Kevin Knox. That was really a head-scratcher kind of move. So to me, their front office hasn't been making the right decisions to put them in a better position. 
I mean, I'm going to have to sell. And actually, sort of for the opposite reason, I think that if you look at their offense, they're still a good offensive team. Like, they have a bunch of weapons on that side of the floor. Trey Young is still a phenomenal facilitator. And they have shooters in Gallinari and Kevin Harder, great uh, offensive rebounder in Clint Capella. I think their biggest struggle is their defense. This is, to put in perspective how bad the Atlanta Hawks are at defense, the Portland Trailblazers have a better defensive rating than they do. The only team that is worse on defense is the Houston Rockets. So this team plays no defense. They rank toward the bottom in steals, in blocks, in rebound percentage. They, they don't do anything on defense. So teams just light them up. So I think if this team were to get better, they would have to trade for some defensive stoppers because you look at their star players and like Trey Young is not stopping anybody. Like obviously he's not a star, but Kevin Hart is not st- stopping anybody. Gallinari is not stopping anybody. The other no one, one is Clint Capella and he's can't play the entire game. Exactly. And even then Clint Capella isn't going to be able to fly in the air with your John Morant when he's attacking the rim. John Collins isn't a good defender. Onyeko Kongu hasn't been great on that side of the floor. Um, so I think this team really, they have a lot of assets and we know how talented they can be, but I think they need to make some moves to get some defensive pieces because defense wins championships, but it also wins you just regular season games in order to make the playoffs, you know? And uh, I also just want to correct the comment I made earlier. Uh, it turns out John Collins actually has not missed the majority of the season. He's actually played a yeah, lot. Yeah. I- I was confused as your comment. I think they actually haven't been playing him a lot in the games. Um, he's not been having a great year. Um, just statistically, I think he's been having a negative impact, generally speaking. But, yeah, he's been playing a good amount of the season. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the team who is, I believe, the four seed in the West, the Utah Jazz. Sorry. Yeah, yeah they are the four seed. Yeah. Um, do you want to take this one, Brandon? Are they not the three seed? They're the four seed. The Grizzlies are now the three seed. Oh, okay. Um, we speak as the Utah Jazz are playing my my team right now. Um, hmm. I'm gonna have to say, Hunter Hunter made this comment, so I'm gonna take it from him. Uh, I'm not buying or selling. I think that the Jazz will stick around in this little four seed area. Um. The team has been going through a little bit of a shooting struggle as of recently. Uh, I'm aware of that. Uh, and, you know, obviously they rely heavily on 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 their three point shooting. That's that the whole system is based around um, is based around that. And you know, seeing uh, the top three teams in the West are the Warriors, the Suns, and the Grizzlies. I don't see the Jazz beating out any of those teams in terms of seeding wise. The Warriors have been struggling lately, so they shouldn't even really be that low uh the suns have been on the six game win streak and you know we just talked about the grizzlies They've just been red hot as of recent i don't see the jazz passing any of those teams i would buy i mean i think that this is a team built for the regular season losing rudy gobert really showed how important he is to this team this team looked like uh one of the worst teams in the league without rudy gobert they had no identity on defense couldn't get anything flowing on offense and although he's a liability in the playoffs, Rudy Gobert is truly so valuable to this team. It can't be overstated. Um, but I do think this is a team that's really built for the regular season. As I said, I think that they have all the right uh, pieces. They have great uh, scoring, uh, you know, across 
their roster. I think that they have stars built for the regular season, um, like Rudy Gobert. And I think that, you know, once they pick up their shooting a little bit and maybe the Grizzlies go on a slump, maybe they lose a player to injury, maybe the Warriors continue to shoot bad Steph, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, continues to slump or whatever. Um, I could see the Jazz finishing as a two-seed or even a one-seed if they pick up some steam toward the end of the season. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you here. I think the Jazz are one good stretch of games away from being the two or one seed. I Like you said, again, regular season team. And who knows, at the deadline, they might make a move to maybe get another scoring punch, a defensive effort, a wing. Um, I don't think they'll make changes just because I think they're a really solid team. But if they want to try to make an extra push just because, you know, they know they're a regular season team, want to try to get something going for the playoffs, I could really see them making a move to improve their odds in the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, this is a team who, you know, there's a lot of players on here where you're like, dang, he's on that team. Like uh, Rudy Gay is on the Jazz. Eric Pascal, who I don't know why the Warriors traded him because I think he's a solid player, but he's also on this team. So there's a lot of depth. They have a lot of pieces if they want. Hassan Whiteside has been great for them. Hassan Whiteside, yeah. I That's another name where you're like, oh, yeah, he is on the Jazz. <laughs> so yeah. I think that they do have a bunch of pieces, and they could be making some moves as we get closer to the deadline to just make those marginal improvements. Yeah, I have a, a little bit of an answer to that question about Pascal being traded from the Warriors. Uh, he is – He's like a heavy ISO type player, which just really didn't fit into that offensive system, uh, I believe. And I, uh, I think they got some good pieces out of him. So, just I'm pretty sure they just got a second round pick. But I guess it's better to like get rid of like a guy who's detrimental to your system than like. I'll take that pick. I'll I'll take that pick. Fair enough. Fair enough. But let's move on. Uh, this guy is sort of built similar to Eric Pascal. Actually, he's just taller. Uh, Julius Randle, who actually had a pretty damn good game today against, I want to say, the Clippers uh, in a Knicks win. So are we are we buying or are we selling on Julius Randle, who's had a very up-and-down season? Mm. This is a really tough one for me because I, I, I'm honestly, you know, I, I feel like I could go both ways with him. I'm really shaky on my opinion on him. I'd, I'd want to buy on him considering I have him on my fantasy team. I'd, I'd want him to play better. Um. But I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to sell with him. I think you know he had a really great season last season. I don't know if it was a fluke. I don't know. Um, I don't know that you can even call it a fluke. But um, just seeing you know that Knicks team, I think that you know he was kind of forced to be the one to step up and be that star, and he was able to provide that. I think that he would is more, more of a an over glorified. Uh, role player than like an all-star in my opinion you agree with no. that i feel like it's a pretty bold claim no i am gonna have to disagree with that statement i'm gonna buy on julius randall i think he's had uh, he's struggled a lot this season his efficiency is really really dipped like a crazy amount last season he was shooting 45 percent uh from the field and 41 percent from three which is really great as a big man and this year, that's gone to 41% from the field and 31% from three. So his three-point shooting has really, really dipped at a really rapid pace. I think part of Nick's struggles is losing uh, Derrick Rose. I think he was a really great piece for them, and he gave them a lot of scoring off the bench. 
Um, and I think that Julius Randle really thrived off of the passing lanes that he created. Um, but I think that Julius Randle, as the season is going to progress, he realizes that this is his last chance to make a playoff push if he wants to even consider getting into the play-in. He wants to prove himself as a player, prove that last year wasn't a fluke. I think he'll start to step it up a little bit more, and I think his efficiency will start to increase. But this will obviously be a generally down year for him. I just see him finishing the year strong. Yeah, I don't know. I actually see what you're coming from, but I would I would sell on Just Randall. Um, just because I think that I don't even know if he's going to be on the Knicks by the end of the season. I think that there is a possibility they move on from Julius Randle because he is such a bipolar player. One night he's going to give you 25 points on efficient shooting on these clean step-back twos, and the next night he's going to drop four points on one-for-nine shooting and just look like the worst player in the NBA. And that's the duality with Julius Randle. I don't think you're ever going to be able to go far in the playoffs with a player like that who's so inconsistent. And he's also a guy who sort of just swallows the ball. Um, You pass it to him, and you can basically expect to not get it back. Uh, I know he puts up pretty good assist numbers, but in my opinion, they're mostly empty. Like, I don't see him as a very team-oriented player. And so I would sell. I think that he's having a down season, and I mostly expect this to continue or to get a little worse if he decides to to be on a new team or if he gets traded, rather. I honestly think because he's so young and we have no, like, prior knowledge, really, of him besides that last season of him, um, you know, as as this kind of he's stepped into more of a star role, um, it's kind of difficult to go either way. And I think that right now is really the time we're going to start to be able to solidify our opinions on whether or not he's really that guy or not. So, I mean, this is sort of like a, a little kind of little passageway into that. I would like to say Julius Randle and Giannis are the same age. So what you're saying is <laughs> he's not young. From anyone else like we've ever seen. Yeah, but he they're still both 27. Um moving on to the sorry, what? I was gonna say I would take Julius Randle over Giannis in the all-time ranking, but oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um moving on, I think this will be an interesting one to talk about is Darius Garland. He's been having a great season. Cavs in general have been putting up some great numbers. Um what do you think? Do you think you're – would you buy on him? I would buy. I think that he's been having a really, really great breakout season. I think he's really solidified himself as one of the primary members of this young core. Um, and, yeah, I'm just – I think that – I think he, this is going to continue because the Cavs are going to just be a team that's buying around the trade deadline and trying to make a solid playoff push. Uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to do in the playoffs his first time. Uh, maybe teams will figure him out. He's sort of similar to John Morant, where it's like his three-point shooting is not terrific, but it, it is serviceable. So I think he is sort of like the John Morant of the East. That's kind of a good comparison, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, he's on a down year for three-point shooting. He had a better season his rookie season. He shot 36% from three this year so far. And he was at 40% in his freshman year, or his rookie season, I should say. Um so we'll see where that takes him. But I think that this Cavs team is really emphasizing building around him as opposed to Colin Sexton. Um, and I'm really excited to see where he takes his team with Evan Mobley. I think they're going to be a great combination. Yeah, definitely. Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? Looking at his stats since his rookie season, it seems like he's been able to 
um, up his play every single season and seeing, you know, points go up and efficiency wise uh, rebounds assists, especially he's averaging eight assists. Um, I mean, hit not obviously just him, but this whole uh, being I, I, led by, I'd say Jared Allen and Darius Garland. Uh, this Cavs team is being put in a really great position for uh, a playoff run at the five seed. So um, I'd say I'm, I'm, I would buy on Darius Garland. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, this one I want to hear your opinion on, Brandon, because you are worried. I have film. a lot of thoughts uh, on this one. So Steph Curry, he's been in a bit of a slump. It started the year off red hot, MVP favorite, all that. Um, what do you think? Are you buying or selling for the rest of the season? I'm gonna go ahead and buy. Uh, maybe a little bit biased, you know, wanting wanting. Uh, this yeah, I was gonna say I'd be shocked if Brandon sold. He's like Steph Curry's really gonna really gonna be awful this year I, I couldn't see him coming I, back I don't see it happening um I'm seeing a lot of people talk about his age really getting to him at this point um I don't think that's the case whatsoever um I, I we've never seen anything like this from him in his entire career uh shooting numbers dropped like dramatically this season um and for any other player in the league I just want to point this out this is a solid season but in terms of Steph Curry and what we've seen from him in his past, this is inefficient uh, in terms of in terms of him. And you know, I don't want to say it's a mental issue either, just due to the fact that you know he's such a high caliber player and he's been doing this for ten years in in, in the league. Um, I I don't think it could be mental or mechanical because I mean he we just saw him you know three thousand threes he's it, it just couldn't be a mechanical issue. So honestly, it could be a, I just think it's a, a shooting slump, a sort of dragged out shooting slump. And I, I think he should be able to make his way out of this. Hopefully soon at, at, at this point, it's very difficult to watch on a nightly basis. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any way you can really disagree with that take. It's Steph Curry has to come back to himself at some point. You, when you watch him play, it's not like, He's missing really contested threes. It's, he's missing some wide open threes, just getting, you know, offensive rebound, offensive boards, Draymond Green setting him up on the nice assist after a good screenplay. And he's just missing an open three in the corner at the top of the key. So you have to really question, like, if there's actually something wrong. But like you said, I really couldn't imagine something being wrong mentally or mechanically with Steph Curry's shot. So you just have to bring it to a shooting slump. Because, I mean, you, you look at these threes, and a lot of time it's like in and out of the rim. So it might be just like a spin on the ball or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to agree. I think it's up to a shooting slump. Hopefully he'll get out of it soon. But the Warriors, everybody else has really been uh, carrying the load, helping Steph. Um, I, mean, I just would like to say, like, pretty – like just sort of prefacing what I'm about to say by saying that Steph Curry, you know, he had his first career buzzer beater game winner uh, against the Rockets two days ago. And That's crazy I, that that was his first game winner, like buzzer beater. I know, because he had so many memorable, like, game winners, but none came at the buzzer. It was a weird little technicality. I think he's had eight over the past, you know, what, ten seasons, however long he's uh, been hitting those shots, which I think the commentators mentioned earlier that that's – the most in the league. So I, I don't know that, that if I heard it wrong, but I just wanted to point that out as well. Well, I know that's his first, like, 
buzzer beater game winner, like where he shoots the ball, you know, he goes. And the buzzer actually goes off balls in the air. Yeah, he's had like plenty of game winners, like you know that OKC shot. Yeah, yeah, plenty of memorable ones. But there was like 0.4 seconds left on the clock, like a technicality like that is what Roth was talking about. Yeah. yeah, and so like the one against the Pelicans in the playoffs, we all remember. Um, but I thought that was really gonna like give like give him energy, uh, revitalize Steph. But tonight against the Jazz, 28 minutes so far he's played, shooting one for 10 from three. So I really don't know what's wrong with Steph. I mean, you have to just buy because he is such a proven player. And hopefully as Clay continues to get back into form, that um, he just is able to, I don't know, pick up his shooting based off chemistry. I, I don't really know, but I think he'll, he'll snap out of it eventually. Yeah. I also just want to point out, you know, watching him on a nightly basis, um, he he does seem the way the ball like looks in the air. It just it seems different from what I've seen in the past. I don't know if if, if you know I don't want to say mechanical, but it just it the, the ball it it looks different in the in the air when you're shooting it. And I also want to point out, um, in terms of defense, he is this has been his best year yet so far. Um, I don't know. I think he's earlier on, he was like tops in defensive rating. And, and I think he's, he's honestly, you know, not his entire game has dropped off. He, he's been able to provide for this Warriors team in other ways in any way he can really, even though his shooting has been down. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, even if Curry's not playing well, um, not playing well by shooting, he's always going to be facilitating along with Draymond and just like the space he opens up for the rest of his team, just by being on the floor, that's always going to provide a lot of value. So it's not like he's a bad player by any means, just like not what we expect from him in terms of efficiency. Yeah. Thank you for playing NBA Wall Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, moving on, let's talk about the, this trade deadline that's approaching uh, in the coming month. Some, we got some crazy potential for this trade deadline with so many moving parts, so many questionable players, so many teams wanting to look to blow things up or change some things drastically. Um, so let's talk about the Blazers first. This is a team we'll be talking about blowing up for a long time, but it's finally getting to that point where they are starting to really play the young talent. So do you think this is the Blazers year to blow it up? Um, I'd honestly say they should blow it up. Um, this team has been an experiment for years now. The whole Dame CJ backcourt, um, constant, you know, playoff runs getting stopped, uh, you know, second, first round. And um, they haven't really been able to make it over the hump, even just getting to the finals, really. Um, and seeing how they've been playing with this young talent, it, it seems like that would be the direction to go. Um with all yeah, these, I would, I would agree with that. I think that you know you have all these pieces on this team, like you could in a second get one of the nicest young cores in the entire NBA. Like imagine a team with you know Anthony Simons. You could trade Dame for Ben Simmons, who like we make fun of a lot, but he's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every year and is just a terrific young player. Um, and maybe could thrive in a new environment. You know, Philly fans are known to be pretty harsh. Maybe he'll experiment with his game more, particularly including a jump shot. And you're going to get a lot of good assets too for Nurkic and CJ. So I think it would be a smart move to do. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think there are any potential teams? Are you talking about like maybe a Celtics matchup? Like, what, what do you think the top teams are that would contend for Damian Lillard? Um, I, mean, I would have to go. Sorry, I'd have to go ahead. I was gonna say, like, like I mentioned, Philadelphia. You mentioned Boston uh, as a team where he can end up, and I think those would. But be, the Knicks, Knicks maybe the Knicks even the best. I don't think the Knicks have the right pieces to make that deal happen. All right, moving on then. How about the Sacramento Kings? This is another team that has kind of been this purgatory for a long time. This like twelve to. 10 seed range um, with De'Aaron Fox. Um, they have mentioned that they want to build their team around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Where do you think their pieces are going to come from? Who do you think they're going to move? Um, from a team standpoint for the Kings, uh, I honestly don't know where uh, they could go. I think they have a lot of young talent that they could trade to possibly win now. Because talking from a player perspective, and De'Aaron Fox, I I don't think he's happy over there right now. I, 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 he's just such an incredible player. And you don't hear much about him, you know, because he's on the Kings. And I think that he, he could do so much better um, in a different environment, in a team that could, you know, be competing for a, a good playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think as much as I would love to see De'Aaron Fox in a new environment – I think if it's not for a star player like Simmons, that they're not even going to think about moving him. But I think that a potential suitor for the Kings could be the Indiana Pacers. There's a lot of interesting deals that could be worked out for a guy like Miles Turner, Sabonis, even Karis LeVert would have an interesting role in this team. And the Kings do have a bunch of pieces that they could ship. Obviously, like I think De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are pretty much untouchable, but you have... Davion Mitchell, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson for the money, um, Rashawn Holmes. And there's a, there's a bunch of other young pieces. Harrison that, Barnes is also a piece for money, but he's been playing very well. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of deals that could be made that could really make this a young core to be excited about and not just a team where you just roll your eyes over every year. And no, I think that actually transitions perfectly to the Pacers. Uh, which is the next team on the list. What do you think is happening with Indiana? Yeah, the Pacers are obviously a team that's going to blow it up. I mean, they literally said they're done with with this core. So seeing where all their pieces are going to land, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because they can take it in two directions. Obviously, they don't want to do a full rebuild because they said Sabonis or Turner. Um, so they're only getting rid of one of them. Miles Turner did request a trade. So I think it's honestly likely that Miles Turner is the one out of there. But who knows? The Pacers might change their mind. They might trade both of them. And if that's the case, they could also end up just like the Blazers in a position to have one of the best young courts in the league just because they have so many pieces to move. Uh, so I th- think Karis Levert, like you said, Kings are an enticing place for them. Uh, there's potential even with the Warriors, the Lakers. There's a, a The Pacers, I feel like, have the most flexibility of any team in the league to trade with any team, like any team that's looking to buy, the Indiana Pacers could probably find a way to make a deal with them just because they have the guys they're trying to trade aren't worth so much as far as the money goes. It'll work out pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I don't have like much of a knowledge basis. I'd say uh, when it comes to the Pacers, uh, I watched them recently uh, play against the Warriors. 
Um, they have a pretty solid team. Just I think DeMontis Sabonis watching him is live. He's just a bit of like an awkward type of player to watch. And this is kind of like away from the topic we we're just talking about. He, but just, he wants you to think he's an awkward player. I just I just had to comment on that. And it's it's really interesting to, to watch this guy play. He he um, wants you to think yeah. he's awkward so that when he's actually playing and he's in the playoffs, he's not awkward. And you're gonna be like, whoa, where's this coming from? We didn't expect this. And he's going to be so fast and nimble, and right. he, he would never expect it. Okay, it's good good to know. Well, before we go too far down the Pacers rabbit hole, let's, let's <laughs> talk about another team that I think is pretty interesting, and that's the Lakers. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about what they may do at the at the deadline. But what do you hope to see happen? I think the only legitimate piece for them to move is THT if they can move anything. Um, I think it's already very clear that no team has any interest in Russell Westbrook, and I'm not sure the Lakers would even want to try and make a chemistry change this late, even though it's the, the rumors have shown that LeBron isn't happy with Westbrook. Um, I just think the, the, the only change they can really make is trying to get a, a defensive wing as opposed to having THT, because that's the only thing that I think money would work out. I, I really don't see anywhere else they could go. I just I want to ask a question. How much older do you think this team can get? Because if we're trading THT away, I don't know how how many young guys are just left on this team, really. Malik Monk and Austin Reeves, and that's it. That's it. And, and <laughs> <laughs> hey, also, Sekou Dembele, he's on a two-way contract. That's not oh, Kendrick Nunn, I guess, is also there. There's a lot of youth on this team. We're one of the younger teams in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You just we're the <laughs> We're the daycare and the senior center. Exactly. But I, I think the Lakers are actually in sort of a similar position to the Celtics, which is the next thing I want to talk about in terms of like not having that much flexibility. And both teams have been pretty middling this, this season. So what do you see for the Celtics? Do you see any tantalizing moves that you think they should make? Um, I would not touch uh, Jason Tatum if I'm the Celtics or – I mean, I would look out there for possible options for Jalen Brown. Um, obviously, you know, he had, he had a really good season last year. Uh, I don't know how much he's mimicked that this year, but I think Jason Tatum is just an untouchable player. He's he's a guy they want to keep surrounding their team around. Um, just look for assets and maybe, uh, you know, some more veteran-type players or perimeter shooters that you could put with Tatum and, and see how that works out. Honestly, I wouldn't be so sure because I think between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown this year, they've both been pretty 50-50 as to who's the alpha on the team and to who's like making these game-winning shots. And we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before, but Jason Tatum has proven himself so far in his career not to be the clutch guy, whereas Jalen Brown, I think, has proven himself a little more in the clutch. So if you are the Celtics, you know that Jason Tatum has more value than Jalen or than Jalen Brown, but you might be able to use Jalen Brown more effectively as far as when it comes to like throughout the regular season and the postseason. So you might want to even consider a trade for Jason Tatum. I know that's not what the Celtics are thinking, but if you trade Jason Tatum, you might be able to get yourself a Damian Lillard. That would be that would be pretty insane, but does that really move the needle that much? Like, is Damian Lillard that much better a player than Jason Tatum? 
I believe so. I think there's a difference between the top 10 and the top 15 or 20 player in the league. And I think the, the obviously the surrounding pieces matter uh, for the Celtics team, but within the next few years, they're going to be able to move a lot of pieces. And if they are able to get rid of some of the contracts they have in their team, such as Al Horford, they're going to have a lot more money with the wiggle room. Yep. I can see that. I just yep. think Tatum, like we, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I predicted Tatum to have a really good season and he's actually been having a really disappointing season, but he has been showing sparks of like really great play today. Even when against the wizards, 33 minutes, he dropped 51 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists on really efficient shooting. But then you look at his like past four games before that, 0-6 from three against the Blazers, 0-7 from three against the Hornets, 0-4 from three against the Pelicans. Like he's just such a streaky player that I don't know. I really don't know what they should do, but I think if they're going to move a piece, they should be Jalen Brown because Tatum should be a cornerstone. But what I'm saying is if you are the Celtics, you're going to be able to get more value out of out of Tatum, obviously. But Jalen Brown might be just as effective of a player for you. But I think teams would want – like, I think teams view Tatum and Brown at roughly equivalent uh, value. I mean, I don't think there's such a disparity between the two anymore. And I think that, like, if you send, like, I don't know, the Blazers, right, you send them Jalen Brown, Peyton Pritchard, uh, maybe another young player in a first, that should be enough for Damian Lillard, honestly. Like, just in terms of pure value, because Tatum is not that much higher in terms of value than Brown anymore. That's fair. Moving on to another complicated situation, let's talk about the Sixers. Are we seeing them move Ben Simmons? Is this a done deal? Is it happening? What, what do you think? Um, it's 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 going to happen. It's bound to happen. He, ben Simmons isn't isn't playing with this team no matter how much he gets fined for every single game he misses. Um, I just think that the Sixers uh, GM is a little bit out of his mind. Um, seeing some of these trades he's been trying to make across the league for like, I don't understand why they think that they can make some of these trades. Like I just saw a recent trade they tried to make with the Warriors. Um, they wanted them to give up, I think Wiggins, like Draymond Green, like uh, a, a couple other guys. It's just that's like, very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like I'm not sure what they're really expecting to get out of a guy like Simmons who hasn't played in so long. Like we understand his potential, but just th- that type of personality is not something that a lot of teams are going to want to put up with. Yeah, I think there was also a mock trade or sorry, not a mock trade. There was an actual trade that the Sixers declined from the Kings where it was something like De'Aaron Fox. Um, Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes and two firsts for Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, and I think they declined. They declined that trade. So I mean, they're they're really valuing Ben Simmons highly. Obviously, they have a list of players that they'd consider, uh, and it, it's like top 20, 30 players in the league. So we, they might have to uh, lower their expectations for what they're going to get for Ben Simmons. Agreed. Yeah. I think that. The Sixers can only really gain the situation. Simmons is not playing for them, and they just have potential to just pick up a either a top thirty player or a nice set of role players or a, a really good young prospect. So the Sixers are in a great position to already be one of the winners of the deadline uh, as we approach it closer. But let's move on to a team we talked about already a bit, uh, the New York Knicks. 
they do have some flexibility. They got a bunch of young players, Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, Manuel Quickly, um, and Julius Randle, not young player, but like a guy they might consider moving. So do you think they're going to be active at this deadline? Do you think they're going to be a team that's buying or selling or uh, what are we thinking? Uh, Hunter, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, sure. So the Knicks, let's see. I think they're probably a team that's going to be selling more so. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit with the Julius Randle situation. Um, if they By selling, I mean they're selling the talent they have now to get other talent in the moment. They're, they're, not, they're not selling to like get future assets, but they're just going to try to change their talent, maybe find a way – to move past Julius Randle, be like a thank you for getting us to where we are, but we need other talent to push us further. Um, and obviously Julius Randle still does have a lot of trade value in the league. So they might be able to land themselves a top 25 player in the league out of Julius Randle and some other pieces. What about would... Julius Randle for Brandon Ingram? And let, before you say no, okay, if you're the Pelicans GM, Think about the uh, the amount of weight on the court you could get with Julius Randle and Zion playing, you know, that four and five position respectively. That would be a tantalizing duo. Would that really work, though? No, yeah, not I mean, at all, but it would be <laughs> really funny to watch. I mean, the thing is, Brandon Ingram and, and Zion don't work that well together to start with. So, I mean, it's just... Yeah, both heavy ISO, ISO players. They would really how, how is... They'd put up crazy numbers in the restaurants, though. Like, New Orleans would probably run out of food really quick. Yeah. <laughs> what's been going on with Zion, actually? Is he just not playing? What's his situation? Uh, he's retired from the NBA now. He's a professional actor in the Mountain Dew. Oh. With Zach Levine. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, but... I got uh, a lot of money to <laughs> Yeah, what do you think, moving on? Because, I mean, I don't think there's... Actually, you know what? What, do you think there might be a potential DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner trade in there? To the Knicks? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think he's exactly – I don't think he's what they need. I think, actually, Sabonis could work on this team, but I don't know if they would want, be willing to give up young assets to get Sabonis because he's kind of like a lateral move from Julius Randle. You're getting yeah. – I feel like you're getting a, a more consistent player but less high highs, you know, like – I think Julius Randle can deliver some pretty high highs. That's fair. I just want to say, if I'm the Knicks and I can possibly get Brandon Ingram out of Julius Randle, I'm taking that. Yeah, I was joking. uh, I don't think that's ever going to (laughs) happen. What do you think for the Warriors, though? This is a team, a lot of young assets, obviously. Um, They are the number two seed in the conference, but they could kind of put them in the – themselves in a position to guarantee themselves a more likely championship. Um, do you think they make any moves to try and get a guy like Miles Turner? I really hope not. I do not want them to touch anything on this roster. Um, I think that the recent struggle has just been a little bit of a slump, not just Steph Curry. They've been struggling, everyone really from three. Um, only player I'd really consider, like, you know, moving around on this team would be a guy like Nemanja Bielitsa, who hasn't even been playing that well. I don't know that they can get much out of him, but I think this team is just so well put together. All the players just mesh. Um, guys like Gary Payton have just stepped up and they've shown that they're like a valuable player in this league after playing in the G League for so long. Right. I, would I, 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 think, I think, yeah. When we talked about earlier, 
uh, Hunter and I about like a potential deal for Miles Turner. I was saying that the, not only are the Warriors in a great position to win now, but with the way they've drafted talent and organized this roster, they are set for the future as well. You have guys like Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, Jordan you know, Poole. yeah, Jordan Poole. Uh, Damian Lee is not that old, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Andrew Wiggins is not – I mean, at this point, he's starting to get up there. But, like, he's still, like, in that middle-tier age. They're set up not only to win now, but they have a bunch of talent that's going to thrive and really grow into the future. So sort of following that San Antonio Spurs model of both win now and develop talent for the future. So I don't want them to jeopardize that by throwing it all away. All right, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I think that the Warriors should probably keep their young talent right now. I think if they get a guy like Miles Turner, they're pretty much securing themselves a final spot, especially in the, in the West. Um, you think of the, the struggles they're going to have, looking up matchups like against the Suns. If you're the Warriors and you think you have a likely matchup against the Suns in the conference finals and you're worried about that eight and abuse matchup, because if you're the Suns, that's what you're looking to do. If you get a guy like Miles Turner, you're shutting down that matchup. Um, but if you keep your young assets, you're preparing yourself for your future. So I think they do ha- definitely have a decision to make there. I'm not sure which is the right way, because if you if you do end up in the position down the line, where is that the conference finals and you're playing the Suns and you're getting absolutely abused by DeAndre Ayton, what do you do if you're the Warriors? You're going to look back and say, damn, we probably should have traded for Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but I don't think Miles Turner is really the guy. I think there's plenty of, like, big-body centers who can fill that role because the Warriors, they've never really relied on, like, a dominant big man, even in their prime. They, You know, when they were on their, you know, in their dynasty, what, they had Bogut at center, they had um, Zaza. Like, these are not all-star caliber centers, but they made the most of David Lee. David Lee. (laughs) David Lee was good. He was solid, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, all you need is just that big body to shut down that matchup. And for as much as I like Wiseman, who's a guy I forgot to mention, I don't think he's there yet. I think, like, he would get abused by DeAndre Ayton in a matchup like that. So maybe, like, trading around guys who are a little bit more expendable, like maybe making that sacrifice, trading Damian Lee or some of your picks that you have and getting, like, a mediocre big man. Like, I I think a guy who would be really good in this team is, like, Rashawn Holmes from the Kings. Or even like even a guy like Hassan Whiteside, you know, where all his only role is to catch lobs and block shots, like a JaVale McGee type center. I just I just want to say I completely forgot about Jonathan Kaminga. Um, I I do not believe he fits on this team whatsoever. Seeing, you know, he only played a couple of games them last season, but just the way the Warriors offense works, I don't know that they actually really need um that type of big man role. You guys, you guys mentioned, you know. They didn't need that sort of, you know, strong, you know, center position type guy. They Are you talking about James Wiseman? Yes. You said Jonathan Kaminga, but that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant James okay. Wiseman. Um, but, yeah, I just say they've been able to win with those, you know, small ball death lineups with, you know, Andre Godala, Draymond playing like the center position or, you know, Kevin Durant. Well, they don't have Kevin Durant anymore, but, you know, he was playing big man. Just – those lineups seem to work really well for them. And, and, and Draymond, I think he's, he's able to hold his own against, you know, most centers in this league. I just realized that before we move on to the last team, I just want to say, like, as I was speaking, I was like, I got like JaVale McGee on this team. And then I realized like, he did play on the team. (laughs) team. Um, But moving on to the last team uh, that we think might be 
pretty active in this trade deadline. That's the Washington Wizards, who, you know, right now they're sort of a middling team, sort of what we expected them to be, but they started off the year really hot. So what type of moves do you think they could be making, if any? Um, if Oh, go ahead. I'd just say Bradley Beal, for sure. Just, you know, this team isn't going anywhere with the way the lineup's set up. Um, I think you can get a lot of pieces out of Bradley Beal, young pieces, and, you know, maybe just start looking to, to rebuild um, from that. That's what I have with that. I would fully disagree with you. I think the right way to go is they have a great core right now between Bradley Beal, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrose Harrow, Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia. They have the incredibly talented roster. Uh, I think the right move, though, is they just need one more guy I think they need one solid all-star. The thing is, I don't see them making too big of a move because if they try to get an all-star, they're giving up too much of their depth. I mean, you saw what happened with Russell Westbrook. Like that situation is they had an all-star and they gave that up for depth. So you don't want to do the opposite because you're going to put yourself in the kind of similar position to the where you were before. You don't have enough role players. Uh, so I, I think the right move for them is to wait out for like a sort of maybe a year or two see the free agency market. Uh, I think they could test the waters and come back a little stronger next year once this team's had a little more chemistry. I mean, I would agree with that. I think that, I don't know. I don't really, I, I sort of am in between you guys, actually. I think that this team, as currently constructed, it's not like one or two pieces away from being a contender. I think with how strong the East is, you would really have to bulk up this team. And Bradley Beal has taken a pretty big step back this year. Um, and I don't mean to the three-point line. I mean, like, he's performed, like, <laughs> you know? Um, so, I don't know. I think that the Wizards would be better off, like, leveraging their options with Bradley Beal, maybe just shopping around a little bit, seeing what they can get. And if, like, a great offer comes around for a nice young core, might be worth a move, you know? Yeah, well, we'll have to see what ends up happening. They do have a lot of str- solid young pieces um, in – Denny Avdida, Rui Hachimura. Um, who else is on this team that's young? I'm trying Corey, to think. Corey yeah, Corey Kispert. Um, yeah. So they, they definitely have some pieces there. And obviously, if you – oh, Kyle Kuzma is still young, so you have yeah, to mention Thomas him. Bryant, like eventually, uh, eventually, if they really want to, they could move Bradley Beal, Montrez Harrell. Uh, actually, no, this is Montrez's last year on this contract, so they couldn't move him. But they could move Bradley Beal. They can move Raul Neto. They can move they, – they have some wiggle room if they really wanted to fully blow it up and try to make another young team. For sure. And I think that's a good place to end it. Um, this was a really fun episode. Thanks for coming on, Brandon. It was a pleasure getting your insight onto all things Warriors. Um, yes. And thank you all so much for listening. I uh, really appreciate that. And we will be back next week uh, with another episode. Uh, so take care, everyone, and uh, bye-bye. Bye.